Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. We are absolutely loaded on today's show. Before we're done, it's a Tuesday. That means the former Georgia quarterback, Jake Fromm, joins us for a Kroger Fresh Take. I've gotten to where Jake's appearance on our show, one of my favorite parts of the week. I know he'll have plenty of good things to say here today. We'll look forward to doing that coming up here in a little bit. Also, normally on Tuesdays, Connor Riley, a part of our Dog Nation team, he joins us. Connor actually taking a little bit of vacation right now. So we have a special guest who pinch hit in place of him. How about Mike Johnson? Some of you remember years ago, Mike used to make regular appearances in our show. He and I did SEC Country Live together. Uh, Mike, the former Alabama All-American, former Atlanta Falcon, now a part of a brand new show each and every day here in the Atlanta area where I live. I'll tell you more about this here coming up. I think it's kind of a fun cool thing so we got a lot to do as a part of the show but what do you say before we get into any of that let's talk quarterback here for a minute hot topic on yesterday's show we'll make it a part of today's show here as well i'm going to use some words from an espn analyst as a springboard into all of this greg mcelroy former alabama quarterback espn analyst you see him doing games things like that all the time uh, has his own podcast there as well and he was making his prediction for the georgia quarterback who the eventual starter would be maybe not a surprise that he picked carson back but some of his reasoning as to why I think is pretty interesting. Some of this I think he's probably spot on with. Some of this maybe not quite so uh, spot on with it all. But nonetheless, here is Greg McElroy from ESPN on his podcast making the case for Carson Beck being the starting quarterback for Georgia here this year and big things expected from McElroy uh, for uh, Beck if it does play out that way. Here is Greg McElroy. I think Carson Beck's a real real NFL prospect. If you already look at some of the additions that Kirby Smart has made in the portal, he's already kind of showing his hand that it's probably going to be Carson Beck as the starting quarterback. And you take it one step further. All the top 50 quarterback recruits from 2017 to 2020. Carson Beck is the only quarterback that didn't start at any point in his first three years that didn't transfer. He's the only one. Why do you think that is? Because Either something was promised to him or he knew the light at the end of the tunnel would result in him becoming the starting quarterback for a national championship contender and likely heading into the season, the national championship preseason favorite. So I think Carson Beck has waited his turn and as a fourth-year junior is primed and positioned to become the guy. So I think that's interesting from Greg McElroy. There are a couple of things there that I think are almost self-evidently true and then there's one big thing that I think he probably gets wrong. First of all, there is certainly nothing wrong with predicting Carson Beck to win the Georgia starting quarterback job. I do believe he's in real competition right now. It sounds like on the basis of some of what we're hearing that Brock Vandergriff is actually demonstrating himself to be a pretty capable player in his own right. So for now, that seems like it's a real competition. But assuming that Beck eventually wins that competition and eventually becomes the Georgia starting quarterback, I'm guessing more people than not probably agree with Greg McElroy on that. In fact, they may even say it more emphatically even than that. Uh, that Beck will eventually be the guy, even if he is being pushed by Brock Vandegrift right now. The other thing that McElroy says there that I also kind of agree with too is that if Beck does emerge as the Georgia starter, he will step into that offense this season with a chance to have a very successful season, put up a big stat line, 
keep Georgia in the same sort of level of national championship contention it's been the last two years as the back-to-back winner and possibly even propel himself to a very bright NFL future too that if Beck emerges as the guy I think you ought to have high expectations that that Beck steps in plays well enough to kind of lead Georgia back in the national championship conversation and well enough that he's a big part of the NFL draft conversation after that those expectations in other words aren't too high for Carson Beck but the part that McElroy says that I probably think is worth kind of pushing back on a little bit is the whole notion of why it is that Beck hasn't transferred. I think it's interesting that McElroy points out that if you look at the time frame in which Beck came to Georgia and look at other quarterbacks of a similar stature on college football, they've essentially all transferred. They've either you know had their moment in the sun or they've gone somewhere else that obviously when you kind of bring in that sort of five-star or four-star level quarterback, the expectation is that if you don't use them right away, they're going to be bolting out the door and going somewhere else. That obviously hasn't happened for Beck at Georgia. McElroy makes the assumption of, well, maybe Kirby Smart made some sort of promise to uh, to Greg McElroy. And for those of you who are big Georgia fans who follow this program closely, does that sound like something that Kirby Smart would do? Hey, hey, if you'll just stay here, I promise you'll be the starting quarterback. I'm not quite so sure that Kirby Smart is in the position of promising anybody anything, nor does he have to. Kirby has won back-to-back national championships. He is not in need of anyone to save this program with it on top of the college football world the way that it is. The only promise I'm assuming that Kirby's ever made to Beck is he'll have every chance to win the job in a competition, and we see that playing out right now. Now, over the course of the next couple of weeks prior to G Day, it'll be interesting to see, or it may be interesting to hear, if somehow Beck is making some sort of big move towards not just distancing himself from Gunnar Stockton, which maybe seems to be taking place right now. Gunnar's, after all, still really young but also kind of potentially distancing himself from Brock Vandergrift there as well. We'll see if this happens over the course of the next couple of weeks. But the only the, the only promise we would assume that Kirby Smart makes is the promise to come here, get your chance to compete, and get your chance to show what you're all about. Credit to Beck for being patient with that. But you're sort of led to believe that you know these are the kinds of players that Kirby Smart recruits, that ultimately the quarterback competition that's playing out at Georgia right now is actually a reflection of how everything sort of operates at UGA, where seemingly the overwhelming majority of players who come into the program, quarterbacks included, kind of know what they're signing up for, that it's going to be hard here, that you're going to be asked to do a lot here. You're going to be asked to compete with a player who's at least as good as you are, and nothing's going to come easy. And if you want to go somewhere easy, then you need to go 8-5 and five, some other program as opposed to what you do here, which is have a chance to go 15-0 and 0 and win another national championship. With all that in mind, I think Kirby Smart within the last few days actually had some very interesting, candid remarks about the idea of transfers, whether it be quarterbacks who choose to stick around and stay when so many other quarterbacks choose not to do that or other places where, um, you know, you just see the, the transfer portal becoming the, the dominant topic with that program, players leaving, players coming in. And in a place like Georgia, the turnstiles just don't spin quite as fast that Georgia has done a very good job of holding on to the players that has in the program, guys like Carson Beck, but players in other positions as well. And this is where sometimes I think you get some really interesting stuff from Kirby Smart because Smart was on uh, the podcast with Coach K, the former Duke coach. I don't really know. I don't, didn't even know Coach K had a podcast. Apparently he does. And it's always interesting to hear Kirby talking with another coach, even with a coach from another sport, because I think you get a little bit more relaxed version of Kirby and all of that. Kirby is a coach's coach, so he likes being around other coaches. And candidly with Coach K, Kirby Smart, and I'll put a link to the full YouTube video uh, when I post the show later on today at theworldfamousdognation.com, but candidly with Coach K, Kirby Smart was talking about his desire 
to bring in the kind of players who won't be looking to transfer and the overall kind of tangible measurement that Smart kind of holds himself to in light of all of this. So with Greg McElroy saying, hey, isn't it interesting that that Carson Beck hasn't transferred? How about Kirby with Coach K kind of explaining why there are so many Georgia players who are willing to stick it out? This is Kirby with Coach K. I'm really big on getting the core of your team from high school, developing them the right way. And it really boils down, Coach K, to who you bring in your organization. Because if they right, come right. in looking to leave or they come in expecting to only play as a freshman and have it easy, then we probably recruited the wrong wrong guy. You know, like we, we're not going to – they're not going to keep them there. I really think keeping your players at least 70% retention rate is going to allow us to, to, to be different if we can keep 70% of the guys we sign. So I think that's a very interesting statement from Kirby Smart, that our goal, he says – of the guys we bring in from high school, which he says will be the predominant source of talent on our roster, our goal is to find a way to keep 70% of them around. And if we've got a lot of guys who are kind of expecting to play right away or looking to transfer at the first sign of trouble, Kirby says in that clip you just heard, that means we recruited the wrong guy. So to go back to Greg McElroy's point about Carson Beck, how come he hasn't transferred? How come he stayed patient? How come he waited out when no – you know, when almost every other quarterback of his talent level measured by the star rankings and things like that, when they were all bolting, when they're all transferring, going here and going there and and looking for, you know, immediate automatic playing time somewhere else. How come Carson Beck was different? Well, Kirby Smart tells Coach K in the clip you just heard is the reason why Beck is different is because everybody on this roster is different. They are selected for their willingness to compete. They are selected for their willingness to stick it out, fight through adversity in order to become a better player on the other side. And by the way, to kind of keep this conversation going in the same sort of chat with Coach K, Kirby Smart talked more about that, that, that belief that avoiding the transfer portal you know, at least in terms of a major source of talent on your roster, that putting most of your eggs in the basket of recruiting high school talent, he actually says it actually makes it easier to recruit high school players when you've kind of made it known that you're not going to push the easy button and go in and bring in seven or eight transfers in any given year. Kirby kind of talked about how the other players in the roster kind of appreciate the the honesty and the candor that, that the Georgia coaches can kind of give to them about the small number of transfers they're willing to consider. This is Kirby with Coach K one more time. What a tremendous statement to your players, you know, that where you can look them in the eye and say, I'm not taking anybody. You know, I got you. I, I, right. I got you. And uh, I think it helps so, you in recruiting. The question now is, how many are you going to take? Will you take guys out of the portal at my position? And when elite high school talent asks you that, and you can say, well, we, we, we didn't take any, you know, it, it allows them to say, well, I'm going to have a chance to come here and play and develop. They're not going to just pull people from, from over top of me. That's been important for us. At the beginning of that clip, I almost thought we were going to get a little sunny and share from Coach K. I got you. I, this is going to give me like the, I got you, babe. I got you, babe. If you notice that look, little, little sunny and share from Coach K off the top there. But nonetheless, this is an example of sometimes what you get from Kirby Smart, just like really genuine honesty that, that Georgia has been slow to want to take transfers, not unwilling to take them. They did take three this year, including two at the wide receiver spot. They, they will take some transfers, but if you go back and look at the uh, team that just won a national championship, that was not a team that was built by any transfers. And that, that kind of slow 
you know, sort of reluctant shopping in the transfer portal has made it easier to go out and make promises that you can keep to high school players, not promises that eventually you'll be a starter and eventually going to be, you know, be playing, but promise that you're going to have every chance to compete. We're not going to just go recruit some transfer over top of you and kind of bury on the depth chart. And I think that that's kind of stuff that matters. So when you look at a guy like Carson Beck, as Greg McElroy did, obviously I think McElroy is right when he says that Beck, if he does truly emerge as the starter, has a chance to be a very good player, has a chance to lead Georgia to a third straight national championship and then be in a very impressive NFL draft conversation after that. But as far as why Beck hasn't transferred already and what Georgia may have promised him to keep him from doing that, I think you hear from Kirby Smart very candidly that that Georgia's thing is it wants as many high school players and get talented guys who are willing to compete, work hard, and stick it out at a place like UGA. That's the kind of talent that Georgia seeks. And it's players like that, including Beck, who's shown incredible perseverance here thus far, that is why Georgia is back-to-back national champions and why they could win their third straight here in 2023. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We are presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, and we're happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We start even earlier than that on Athens Sports Radio. Actually, (laughs) I'm getting my script messed up. We start earlier than that at dognation.com, the Dog Nation app. That's 945 in the morning. We do that called our first and 15. We are on the radio as well. Noon, Athens Sports Radio, 963F. By now, some of y'all can say this better than I can. Of course, podcasts across all the various podcast platforms there as well. Just happy to have you choose the program no matter how you choose to access it. Podcast, video, radio, whatever else. We're just really glad you're here. And a big thanks to our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia who make it all possible. Foundation waterproofing issues, that's what they help you with. And we just came across a weekend where there's a good bit of rain. There's a good bit of rain in my house yesterday there as well. For some of you, rain produces anxiety because you know you're going to be seeing signs of sort of wetness and dampness where you don't want it to be, basement, crawl space, garage, things like that. If that's what you find yourself facing or if that's what you kind of deal with every time it rains, it's time to get to know my friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia because, listen, they are a solutions-based company. And if you're dealing with that kind of waterproofing issue, problem, you need house resealed, protected from the uh, the water there on the outside, ESOG is the name to know on this. You can give them a call at 678-ESOG-NOW. That's 678-ESOG-NOW. Also for foundation issues, and you know the signs of that. You go down to the basement, that concrete floor down there, you see that crack. You see the examples of the settling or in the walls in your house, different places. You kind of see those cracks and you know, Ooh, this may not be uh, very good. And maybe it's not, but it also might be a simple fix there as well, because if it is, Engineered Solutions of Georgia is going to tell you that. Simple fix to fix a simple problem. But if it's a little bit more complicated, all the more reason to have Engineered Solutions of Georgia on the job, because they have an entire team of engineers on staff to help you with your problem. There's nobody else in our market that puts that kind of resource to work for you. Uh, that is what Engineered Solutions of Georgia is all about. They're also proud partners of UGA. It is fun to support those who support the dogs, and we are so appreciative of your support of ESOG there as well, because they've been long time friends of ours here on dog nation daily for quite some time there as well so give them a call 678-ESOG now that's 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and your waterproofing issues I told you before it's Jake Fromm later on it's Mike Johnson here coming up in a couple of minutes there as well prior to that though let's go around the doghouse and we talk quarterbacks off the top I want to look at a different position group for a minute here but also on offense you know 
We have said plenty about the injury to running back Kendall Milton and what that means for the Georgia running back situation with Dejan Edwards already banged up a little bit too, that all of a sudden, at least for spring, Georgia looks a little thin at the running back spot. But games that matter are still many months away, and so I don't know that anyone's too stressed out about this right now. In fact, the absence of Milton, the absence of Edwards, while they're working their way back to full health, is creating an opportunity for other Georgia running backs, and it could be those other Georgia running backs, in this case, Branson Robinson, Roderick Robinson, Branson, a second-year player, Roderick, an incoming true freshman. It sounds like they may be taking the most advantage of their opportunity here right now. As an example that kind of proves this point, let me let you hear Kirby Smart again, this time from his press conference on Saturday after Georgia had a spring scrimmage. Now, you're going to have the rat-a-tat-tat of typewriting on this. I understand that. The keyboard's going in full effect. But you can still hear Kirby as he talks about how they've had to pivot at the running back spot with Dejon banged up and Kendall Milton kind of dealing with an injury too. This is Kirby Smart giving you his evaluation of that position group here right now. Dejon's been dealing with a hamstring. So he's been uh, in and out. I mean, he, he's hitting some, some good miles per hour. I think Dejan's really close and might have could have pushed it over the edge today to go to give us some more depth at back, but we didn't do that with the hopes that two days off, Sunday, Monday, we'll have him ready to go uh, Tuesday. Obviously, Kendall's injury, he's out, but um, Branson did a good job, man. Branson had, uh, I think we ended up getting around 10 carries for Branson, about 10 carries for Rod, which is a lot for us in the scrimmage. We don't. We tend to the guys that haven't played in games in the fall. We try to get them ten to twelve a scrimmage. Um, the guys that have played a lot in games, we try to get them four to five a scrimmage. Um, but those guys did a nice job. So Kirby Smart says Branson, he did a good job, man. He did a good job. That's the kind of casual compliments that Kirby Smart doesn't throw around lightly. If Smart saying that coming off a Branson Robinson scrimmage, I'm left to conclude that must be really true. And what we saw at flashes last year of Branson having the look of maybe a future start running back for Georgia, maybe some of that is kind of coming into shape here as it relates to spring practice. The other running back, though, who's also kind of getting his opportunity for the first time is the other Robinson, the incoming freshman, Roderick Robinson. You heard Kirby Smart talking a little bit about him there. And this is one of those guys that Georgia fans, I think, are working as hard as they can to get to know as quickly as possible because of the sudden opportunity for maybe more playing time, certainly heading towards G-Day, but perhaps even making a name for himself that gives him a chance to be a bigger part of the story during this upcoming season, too. Exactly what does Roderick Robinson bring to the table? Well, you heard some of that from Kirby Smart, and you have have in the past but also one of his uh, partners there in the running back uh, position room including uh, Kendall Milton who's you know kind of dealing with a little bit of an injury situation right now as we've talked to you about well when Kendall met with the reporters the other day he talked about what he has seen from Roderick Robinson kind of giving us a little bit more of an idea about exactly what Rod brings to the table in his first season at Georgia here's Kendall Milton Roderick he came in at I think he came in at like 240 pounds something like that and, you know, walking through the facility, I always tell him, hey, bro, you're going to be a fullback, you keep eating. But, you know, he's going to be he's gonna be a great player just seeing him. He has the ability. He can still run with his weight. He's a strong player. You know, he's he can make those cuts. And, you know, same thing like me when I came in as a running back. You just have to be able to, you know, get comfortable learning the schemes and learning the, the, the pass pro and learning, you know, the different blitzes and, you know, just learning different stuff that, you know, comes with being a running back in such a high-talented offense. So, I'm I'm excited, especially him being you know from California and everything. I'm excited to you know see him come here and leave his mark. So I think that's interesting from Kendall Milton there, another California running back who obviously put up big numbers in his high school career, and a guy who's in the midst of kind of transforming his body. We would say that's exactly what Kenny McIntosh did when he also arrived at Georgia there too, eventually becoming I, I believe a better pass catching weapon in the UGA offense. Almost anyone could have ever imagined. 
Maybe maybe Roderick Robinson has a chance to travel a, a similar path here. Either way, both Branson Robinson and Roderick Robinson have made for themselves some fans among the uh, the sort of UGA fan base here in Dog Nation over the course of the spring, eager to see them on G Day and excited about the chance that you know one of these younger running backs, or maybe both these younger running backs, can propel themselves into a conversation for some real playing time this fall, taking advantage of the opportunity that exists at running back because of injuries, trying to make the most of this moment. It sounds like Roderick Robinson and Branson Robinson are both in the midst of trying to do just that. That is around the doghouse here on Dog Nation Daily here today. And before we bring on Mike Johnson here and talk more about the situation at Georgia and the rest of the SEC, let me also give you an exciting thing to be aware of for those of you who kind of live in this area, Braves fans, a part of a great new start to the season of the Atlanta Braves, and a great new uniform that's going to be on display uh, for the Atlanta Braves this year. Have you seen the brand new City Connect uh, Braves jersey? I love these. They've got the A, the kind of the script A with the uh, the right next to it. You're going to be seeing the Braves wearing these each and every week. In fact, you have a chance to get your own brand new design that reflects this, uh, kind of paying homage to uh, Henry Aaron in the 1974 season, and obviously, you know, the great, what we, I sort of still think of as the record-setting, uh, you know, home run total, no matter what, uh, you know, Barry Bonds and, you know, other guys did. I sort of think of uh, 755 as the real home run record, and I sort of think of H- Hank Aaron kind of wearing that 1974 uniform, and obviously this Brave City Connect jersey is uh, it's kind of patterned after all of that with kind of a new kind of modern flair i can tell you my son has already seen these and he uh, wants one of these so bad so you're gonna be seeing the braves wearing these and you have a chance to kind of purchase your own uh city connect braves jersey there as well if you go to braves.com slash city connect you can find out more about this braves.com uh, slash City Connect. The Braves are going to wear these for the first time coming up on April 8th, and then you can get your own to kind of wear that there too as the Braves kind of go through a great season. Already a great start. Uh, take two or three from Washington. You win last night in St. Louis. Coming back at it tonight. So a lot going on with the Atlanta Braves right now, including a brand new uniform here for 2023. The City Connect uh, jersey, kind of paying homage to uh, Henry Aaron. Got the cool looking uh, the A right there on the front of it. So go to Braves.com slash City Connect to find out a lot more on that. All right, before we're done on today's show, it's former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm. He's going to be here today. We'll talk to him about the competition taking place uh, to be the uh, guy that follows in the footsteps of Stetson Bennett here at Georgia. We'll do all of that with Jake here before we're done. But for now, guy that's been a good friend of our show for a long time and a uh, guy now a part of a brand new radio show that is a ton of fun there as well. Let's get all of that with uh, Mike Johnson here right now on Dog Nation Daily presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Yeah, Mike was kind of one of our Dog Nation insiders for a long time, and it's great to have him back on the program here now and great to be hearing him on the radio in Atlanta each and every morning now. Mike, how you enjoying waking up in the morning? You, you doing okay with that? That's a little earlier wake-up call than the typical football player probably would have gotten when you were playing with the Atlanta Falcons. What's the early wake-up call been like? <laughs> Dude, uh... First of all, good to talk to you, man. Lots of lots of coffee, uh, lots of caffeine, um, and uh, a scheduled nap time after our radio show is over. So mm, I'm, I understand. My alarm's about three forty-five a.m. right now, and uh, good good thing is I'm, I'm done with work by about nine a.m. So I get a little little mid-afternoon nap. 
Well, it's I, always good. I understand that. I know I'm probably interrupting that right now, but nonetheless, we're glad to have you as part of the show today. And I, you know, look back at all those years in which you and I were talking college football, and I've always enjoyed our conversation. Obviously, you know, a lot of our audience is aware of the fact that you won a national championship. You were an All American there in Alabama. And when you and I were kind of first kind of having some of these college football conversations together, that was early days for Kirby Smart trying to build what Alabama had been. And, you know, now you've got Georgia as kind of a back-to-back national champion. You know, from your vantage point, what's it been like seeing Georgia, you know, figure out how to put all this together and figure out how to have the success they've enjoyed here and really kind of put themselves, you know, kind of at the forefront of the college football conversation? What has it been like for you watching this take place for a guy in Kirby Smart that, you know, at one point in time in your football career you knew very well? Yeah, I, I mean, I remember talking to you about Kirby Smart when he was hired. And, you know, I've had other – but other coaches that I played under that have gone to different places and didn't seem to fit. I mean, you and I used to have conversations about Jim McElwain at Florida. I mean, there's a guy from Eastern Washington that's trying to take over in Gainesville and recruit South Florida. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jeremy Pruitt obviously landing at Tennessee. That's a that's a Bama guy landing at the uh, University of Tennessee and doesn't seem to quite fit. But I remember talking to you about Kirby Smart when he took over at you know the helm in Athens and just how excited I was for him and the opportunity because I think everybody in the college football world knew that University of Georgia was just a sleeping giant. You know, it's just a, just a, a dynasty waiting to happen. Uh, and I've had a number of friends that have gone through that program, and they've had, you know, success here and there before Kirby Smart, but nothing to the uh, the height that they've gotten recently. So um, it's, been, it's been insane. Uh, you know, being around the city of Atlanta for close to 13 years now and seeing the growth out of that program and seeing Kirby – um, just become, you know, the elite head coach in college football. I mean, he's he's really putting himself up there on the Mount Rushmore of coaches in college football, and um, I just think the sky's the limit. I mean, I remember sitting on our show a few years back and just saying, hey, you know, buckle up, Georgia fans, because yeah. you're getting ready to start a dynasty, and I don't think he's disappointed at all, man. Just an incredible, incredible job he's done recruiting and developing those players uh, down in Athens. It's, it's been fun to watch. You were already in the NFL when Alabama won back-to-back titles in 2011 and 2012. How much time did you get a chance to spend around that program in 2013 when they were kind of in the same spot that Georgia is now, going for that third straight national championship? And, you know, how difficult do you think it is for a team to kind of maintain its edge after it's had, you know, that much success? Do you have very many memories of going back and visiting Tuscaloosa in 2013 when, you know, they were on top of the college football world and really at that time kind of expected to come back and win it? again how much time around Tuscaloosa did you get during that period I got a pretty good bit and I remember I talked to more of the coaches at that point uh Scott Cocker who's obviously with the Georgia program now and some of the other coaches I talked to more um and, and you know listen trying to find that fire that really that ability to reach down and, and, and kind of hit that extra gear with the program after so much success it's tough and look I'll tell you we won a national championship my senior year just one uh, at Alabama, and I always make the comment that I, I'm glad that I graduated because I can't imagine having to reach back down and do that again. Uh, and I think, you know, 2010 Alabama was a huge disappointment in a lot of people's eyes because I think a lot of the players felt that way. They, they lost to South Carolina, they lost to LSU, lost to Cam Newton and Auburn. Um, and they're able to kind of use that 2010 season to propel them to 2011 and 2012. I just I, I I cannot imagine um, the the hunger that it takes to to try to do that back to back, much less three times in a row. Uh, but after you've shown the ability to do it twice in a row, I don't have any reason why the leadership and and, and really the coaching staff down there won't be able to do it again. I just think the talent level between Georgia 
and um, and many of these other programs can kind of cover the fact that maybe you know maybe there's a little bit of a lull. I don't know that there will be, but um, look, it's it, it's hard mentally. It's hard. It's such a grind to be in a program like Kirby Smart's program and know that you have to come to work and give twelve out of ten energy day in and day out. I mean, year round, by the way. Uh, you yeah. know, all the way from January to January, and so I, I think that's just it's mentally tough. It's a huge mental hurdle. Uh, but I know that Kirby Smart seems to be in the right headspace to, to kind of put his head back down to the grindstone and, and go back to work. And I think that's what separates him from other coaches. I want to ask about some of these other SEC teams in a minute, but let me just kind of follow up one thing on that, which is the one thing I've told our audience is if you go back and look at Alabama in 2013 when they were in a position of trying to go for a third straight national championship, they ultimately were undone by a team that almost no one could have predicted at the beginning of the season. Auburn had, you know, uh, Gus Malzahn is a first-year coach. This is basically a guy that a couple of years prior to that had been coaching in high school. You had Nick Marshall at quarterback. That's essentially a converted defensive back. And yet you have this sort of miracle run for Auburn that year, kick six game, of course. But even beyond that, Auburn was a very unexpected team in 2013. And ultimately, they're the ones that won the SEC and almost won the national championship. And so, Mike, what I've told our audience is, hey, right now on paper, Georgia is kind of the overwhelming favorite. Again, they're about, what, two and a half to one or so to win the national championship right now? based on some of the uh, odds that are out there but you have to be on guard for any kind of surprise to take place because college football is a sport that historically is not very easy to predict and just when you think you know exactly what's going to happen this sport has a way of surprising you doesn't it oh absolutely and 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 i remember that game with nick marshall and company and lord you want to talk about going way back i think we played gus malzahn his first year getting out of high school when he was dolphins coordinator at Arkansas with yeah. Mitch Mustaine, right. uh, you know, back in, I think it was 07 or 06. Um, so, yeah, I, I think one of the things, and, and where Alabama back in 2013 and Georgia is similar now, is really when you look at both these programs and both these coaching styles, they're, they're so well-coached and they're so regimented and they're so rule-driven about what they're doing on the football field. Uh, and obviously that leads to a ton of success whenever you know your rules and you know your assignment, you know what mistakes you cannot make. But sometimes when you go against a program like a like a Nick Marshall and Gus Malzahn at Auburn back then, a team that can freestyle a little bit more and kind of has more playmakers that kind of go outside the box and do things differently, um, you know that's that's kind of the that's kind of what you get every now and then. And I think what what Georgia is figuring out and what they've been so good at you know keeping from happening is when you you know when other uh, teams from around the SEC go out and make hires based on what Georgia's doing. You know, they're, they're, they're going, hey, how can we beat Georgia? Yeah. Let's go hire this guy. Let's run this offense. Let's bring in this coordinator because that is the kind of guy that can go beat an Auburn, uh, I'm sorry, a Georgia football team. So, um, you know, I think that's what you're seeing right now. When you're when you're so good and so rule-driven and so well-coached, sometimes the, the teams that will give you the most fit to the ones that think outside the box and do things a little bit differently. So, I'm sure that Kirby Smart, obviously, very well aware of that uh, with with the rings he has on the shelf, uh, and he'll be you know trying to coach up against that in the future. All right, before we hear more about the radio show, I want to go to go through a couple of the other SEC teams here really quick and get your thoughts on this. The situation in Alabama right now, I'm having a hard time figuring this out. I'm not being funny or anything like that. Uh, Obviously, this is a team that expects to compete for the national championship this year. And yet, Mike, you know, the thing that has kind of driven Alabama the last few years has been great quarterback play. You know, going on now a good number of years, Alabama's had a real top flight quarterback. I can't quite tell what's going on with this competition right now between Jalen Milrow, who we did see last year, and Ty Simpson, who we haven't seen as much of, but at one point in time was a big time prospect. It seems like at one point, I thought a lot of Alabama fans assumed that Simpson was going to overtake Milrow, but thus far this spring, it feels like it's been a little quiet on the Simpson front, and maybe 
no news is good news and he ends up being a great player but it seems like the chatter about the next Alabama starting quarterback is kind of quiet right now do you have a better sense of what's going on there yeah I wish I did to be honest with you (laughs) I a lot of people ask me this question and I don't I don't have any insight right now and I think really the year I kind of go back to, and I've always referred back to, is 2016, when really you had a quarterback battle at Alabama, and the starter ended up being Blake Barnett, I think against USC that year. And then you go into the second half of that game, that opener, and, and into week two, and it's Jalen Hurts. And I think that that really, I think things are, are going to shake out much further down the road than they are right now. And I think that Nick Saban usually does a good job uh, as Kirby Smart has done as well in some of his quarterback battles, of letting things kind of play out and saying, hey, look, we're the kind of place that I, I don't I don't need elite quarterback play all the time. I need you not to make huge mistakes. Let's go back to the offensive line. Let's go back to the running game. Let's go play into our defense's hands. Uh, and obviously that's, that's been the blueprint for Kirby Smart for a long time, and that's always been Nick Saban's blueprint. So I think that any time that you have a situation where you're in spring and one guy's kind of you know got some reps under his belt and the other guy's got the new flashy arm and – and a little bit of swag about him. Uh, I think Nick Saban just does a good job of kind of tamping down the expectations and saying, hey, let's uh, let's just wait a minute. Let's get into week one, week two, and make sure things are a little bit different. Do you think that Tennessee can take the next step playing as little defense as they do? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? I said, do you think Tennessee can take the next step as a program playing as little defense as they seem to play? Well, I think when you look at Tennessee, Brandon, I think it's just all about recruiting. And they play very little defense because they have not been able to get the caliber of stars that Georgia and Alabama and some of these other teams have defensively. They don't have the size and the speed that you need in the front seven to really make a run. And I think that showed big time when they played some of the bigger schools last year. So can Hypel recruit at Tennessee? That's That's what's going to answer that question for me. Obviously, offensively, he can draw X's and O's up with the best of them. But can he get those guys in the front seven that are just difference makers? I think there's a lot of questions still to be answered. All right, we'll let you go here. Remind folks, though, every morning, 92.9 the game, uh, excited to have you back on the radio talking sports again. What made you want to kind of get back involved? What is it about this show that's fun for you? And obviously also how can folks kind of tune in and hear it each and every day? Yeah, listen, we're, we're, we're not only a sports show, but we're a lifestyle show. Uh, myself, Bo Morgan, Tiffany Blackman. Uh, we're on from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. in Atlanta every day on 92.9. And uh, look, man, I, I love sports. I love talking to all the sports. You know that. And uh, it was just the perfect opportunity at the perfect time to yeah. try to get back into it. And we're really enjoying it, man. We try to have a lot of fun. We hope the listeners are having a lot of fun. And uh, we appreciate anybody that's, uh, that's tuning in. Well, listen, I'm happy to have you back on the radio again. I love hearing you, and I love talking SEC football with you there as well, too. Hopefully we'll get a chance to do it again very soon, Mike. Thanks so much for your time. All right, thanks. Good Good to catch up with you. You too, Mike. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, so I'll kind of reiterate here for a moment that um, a lot of you kind of remember this. Some of you don't. We obviously have, you know, getting new listeners all the time. But years ago, you want to go back to like 2016, 2017 into 2018 is when we were doing this. So 16, 17, 18, I guess the years would have been. Mike and I did a show together called SEC Country Live and love working with Mike. Mike's just a great guy to work with. I think you see there, he's got a really, you know, thoughtful perspective on, um, uh, you know, on the SEC. He was always a really valuable guy to have for our show back then because he had known Kirby Smart and he had known Scott Cochran very well. And he'd kind of seen what they had done for Alabama. He was on the opposite side of the ball. But he'd seen that. And so, you know, we kind of use Mike as a very big resource at the time in which Kirby Smart was kind of building up the program and saying, 
okay, so this is the place that Kirby's at right now. And, you know, Mike can kind of talk about kind of taking that next step of the program. And at times, I remember, even though he was an Alabama guy, I remember him kind of coming on the show and saying some very valuable things about, you know, what was going on there at UGA. And um, obviously now George has gone on to great success. And now we got Mike back on the show again, talking about some stuff right there. It's kind of fun how it all kind of comes back together there. So great to have Mike as a part of the show here today. And you can check him out each and every morning on the radio there, 92.9 The Game. We'll get Jake Fromm, the former Georgia quarterback, coming up here in a couple of minutes there as well. Before that, though, we're going to go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And speaking of Royal Caribbean, we are getting excited about being on board Independence of the Seas. We had a uh, golden shoe winner yesterday who uh, was also getting ready to be on Independence of the Seas. He's going to be on there in June, so he's not going to be on the uh, Dog Nation cruise coming up. But he told us, hey, and uh, this was on uh, Twitter yesterday, he used Jessica Slater as his travel agent to help get him booked up on all that. He said that she took really good care of him. I'm always happy to hear that. And she can take really good care of you, too. She's a travel agent specially selected for us by Royal Caribbean to book your Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. I think it's really interesting that Royal Caribbean really believes that a great Royal Caribbean cruise vacation is made even better when you use a great travel age. I think the reason why is because there's so many variables to consider when you take a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. It's what port do you want to go out of? Do you want to go out of Port Canaveral? That's kind of the closest to where I am right now. But you can also go to Fort Lauderdale or Miami or whatever might be convenient to you, depending on where you might be. Do you want a short sailing three night over the course of a weekend or a four night sailing or one of the big seven night sailings on one of those Oasis class ships? And which ports do you want to visit? All the kind of questions that you kind of want to get answered. A great travel age can help you get those answers. Jessica's done a great job getting us ready for the Dog Nation cruise. We are, man, we are so excited about how great all of that's going to be. So if you want to have your own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation to get excited about, you can give Jessica a call 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. She can even tell you more about Icon of the Seas, the brand new ship debuting January of 2024, setting a new standard for cruise vacation. Boy, a lot of great stuff going on with the Royal Caribbean. We love telling you those stories each and every day here as we're cruising around the SEC. Now, speaking of that, let's kind of dive into all of this right now and go cruise around the SEC here just a bit. Uh, we talked a moment ago with Mike Johnson about Auburn, kind of the surprise team in 2013. I don't think expectations are nearly high for that to happen again here in 2023. But it is, a, once again, a first-year coach at Auburn, and Hugh Freeze is making a little bit of headlines for his opinion about something that I think would actually be a welcome change for college football, but I don't believe this is likely going to happen. So what Hugh Freeze is talking about is his desire to see SEC teams play another opponent for their spring game. I'm going to read you a couple of quotes here uh, from uh, Freeze on this. He says that everybody would get out of it exactly what they want. And if everybody's doing that, let Alabama play Troy. We'll play UAB or vice versa, meaning play one of those in-state like Group of Five or FCS level schools. Uh, he says, I don't care. Play Alabama State. He says, people will come see that. You're dis- you're decreasing your injury probabilities by 50%. So what he's saying is if you've got your team playing itself in a spring game, that means every time you know one of these things collide, you've got Auburn player versus Auburn player. If you're playing somebody else, you're only 50% less you know likely to get injured because you've, you've got – while your offense on the field, your defense is resting, which I think is kind of an interesting idea. Freeze also says – 
I just think it would be great for the sport. I think it'd be awesome. NFL gets to scrimmage against each other, which is true. They have preseason games, but you also have the organized practices where, you know, one team will go visit another and they'll practice together from time to time. So this isn't foreign to the NFL. He says, I think it'd be uh, a, a, a great. His high schools get to scrimmage against each other. That's also true there as well. Uh, he says, for the life of me, I don't understand why we haven't gotten to that point where we can pull that off. Well, I'm guessing a lot of this probably comes down to money because during the season, you know, an FCS team is visiting Auburn and they're taking home about a million and a half dollar check for doing so. My guess is, is that uh, SEC schools would not be nearly as willing to uh, to pay for that when it comes to a uh, to a spring game. That they're just not going to be, you know, getting the same kind of uh, crowd. Uh, you're certainly not getting the same kind of television interest. Uh, Georgia's the only spring game thus far that's going to be on TV here this year. The rest of them are all streaming internet. So you don't have the TV rights dollars flowing in for this on a spring game basis, which is probably uh, why you don't hear more serious conversation with this taking place. But if we're kind of moving into a world in the future where you're looking at you know fewer games to be played against fcs and group of five level teams and this might be one of the ways in which you kind of bring that back as part of the sport because fast forward into the future on the georgia schedule in, in a few years as it currently stands georgia's got non-conference games scheduled with three different power five opponents that means you've essentially eliminated fcs group of five level games and for the, the fcs and kind of the low level groups of five team group of five teams this is how they fund their program for the entire year. So if those games really are going away, and I think in the future, the appetite to see, you know, in the fall, SEC-level program like Georgia playing McNeese State or something like that, I think the appetite for that is just about gone. So if those programs are going to survive, they're going to have to generate some revenue somehow, and this may be about as good a way to do it as any. I still think it's a little bit of a pipe dream. My guess is this is a long way from ever happening if it ever does. But it's kind of interesting to see a guy like Hugh Freeze, who's the coach at Auburn, he has a little bit of a platform to speak on here. It's kind of interesting to hear him speaking up so openly about this. Now, the other funny thing on the subject is, is that uh, Alabama would hate this. You know, Auburn says, hey, we'll play UAB, we'll play Troy. I mean, Alabama has made a big deal in its program history about not playing schools like UAB. Alabama is not about helping the in-state schools. They're just not. So this... <laughs> You know, while it may be kind of a wild hair idea that Hugh Free sort of likes, it also has the convenient byproduct here of also kind of needling Alabama too, because even pre Nick Saban, Alabama has not been in the habit of helping out its in state schools. There's a lot been written over the years about the kind of the boardroom rivalry that exists between UAB and Alabama, uh, you know, dating back to the time of Bear Bryant. So <laughs> the thought of Alabama looking to help one of these in-state schools in the spring game, I don't think that's going to be coming anytime soon, but it is interesting to hear Hugh Free say he wouldn't mind doing it. I'll also mention this interesting news coming out of Florida where there's a quarterback 2025, Austin Simmons. He's a four-star, kind of ranked in the top 100 in the country. Uh, he is getting ready to make his commitment announcement. And this is interesting for a couple of reasons. He comes from a part of Florida that's known as the muck. Uh, I, I was not familiar with this as a kind of a phrase, but it's called the muck. So he's from Pahokee, Florida. I guess that area of the state's called the muck. And uh, Austin Simmons is a running quarterback. So his nickname is Muck Vic, which I think is really funny. Uh, so Muck Vic, or his given name, Austin Simmons, is getting ready to make his commitment announcement. And he's a lot of folks think he's going to commit to Florida. Uh, but what's also interesting here is if you look at Gators fans on message boards and things like that. They are the belief that Austin Simmons, otherwise known as Muck Vic, is going to also reclassify. There's a chance. I don't know if this is true or not, but Gators fans seem to be of the belief that Simmons may reclassify two classes early and potentially join the class of 2023. So if you go to some of these Florida social media 
chats or message boards, things like that. There's some Florida fans who think that Simmons may be starting a quarterback for them before the end of the season. Now, I don't know if there's any tangible reporting out there that Simmons is really thinking about reclassifying, but the fact that Florida fans are talking about this so much gives you an idea of a couple of things. A, they are more than ready to turn the page on the Jaden Rashada debacle from the class of 2023, but also they are not excited about the future of Graham Mertz or Jack Miller or any of the other Florida quarterbacks if they are this hopeful that a 2025 uh, quarterback might reclassify two classes ahead to join their current team in time for the 2023 season. A little bit of a mess coming out of Gainesville there on that. Florida fans desperate for whatever good news they can get. So they'll be watching here this week to see if Austin Simmons does pull the trigger on a Florida commit. Seems like he uh, a lot of folks are saying he's going to. By the way, speaking of quarterbacks, how about a five-star of the class of 2024? Jane Davis, as expected, has committed to Michigan. Now, couple of things are interesting here obviously Georgia has put all of its eggs in the Dylan Riola basket we know that for a fact now you know you saw uh you know you see Jaden Davis going to Michigan you see Jake Merklinger made his uh commit here recently you know go back to when Julian Sane committed Alabama Georgia has been content to let all those quarterbacks do what they're going to do Georgia has been solely focused on Riola. So pretty clearly, Georgia thinks there's one quarterback in this class that's far better than any other, and Georgia also a little bit more content to kind of focus its efforts on Riola, not really hedging itself whatsoever. And they do have a commitment, obviously, from Ryan Puglisi. But when it comes to kind of like that front-end quarterback battle here, Georgia pretty squarely on Riola right now, which is obviously a really interesting thing a year after. They didn't quite work out with Arch Manning, but Georgia not dissuade to kind of go back down the same path of the guy like Riola here right now. Official visit expected to come at the beginning of June, and then we'll see what happens after that. But Georgia content to let another elite 2024 quarterback make his decision. Now, the other thing you got to point out here is, is that Michigan's actually re- actually recruiting pretty well right now. We talked about the other day with Jeff Sintel about you know going into like Cincinnati and getting a running back commit and uh, getting Jaden Davis here right now. That for all the chatter about you know Jim Harbaugh, will he leave? Will he go to the NFL? He's interviewed with NFL jobs now two years in a row. You know Michigan kind of two consecutive years in the college football playoff is suddenly kind of recruiting like that a bit. Jaden Davis, the kind of quarterback you can build a class around here. So pretty interesting uh, recruiting success there as it relates to uh, Jim Harbaugh and Michigan. Getting Davis is a pretty big deal. And this ongoing comparison between Michigan and Ohio State, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind you know, that there's more recruiting momentum seemingly with Michigan at the moment than there is with Ohio State. Something to kind of keep in mind there. And then finally, we'll mention this. Last night, the NCAA men's basketball tournament came to an end. And UConn, who I don't know that I would have expected this prior to the tournament beginning, they end up going on one of the most dominant runs anybody's gone through in, I guess, recent tournament history, right? I mean, they you know got a brief challenge from uh, San Diego State last night. But other than that, uh, they completely ran through the entire tournament, winning, what, fifth championship in program history? And I think suddenly you talk about a UConn team that all of a sudden you have to consider right up there with the 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 blue bloods of the sport this has now become a very very successful historic basketball program after Danny Hurley uh led the Huskies to a national championship last night so I think it was a fun NCAA tournament I don't follow college basketball quite as closely as I used to but when I was you know tuned into these games uh over the course of the month of March uh they were all pretty good pretty enjoyable and uh UConn goes on a historic run here uh, to win a fifth championship, dominating every team they played for the most part, really, you know, rarely challenged at all in this tournament. So impressive there. And uh, by the way, last night was also the conclusion of the 
career of Jim Nance calling these games. Very touching video I saw last night. They played the, I always like the one shining moment, you know, that song they play on CBS at the end of the broadcast where you're kind of showing the highlights, get the song. Is it Peebo Bryson who sings that? No, that's not, that's not Peebo Bryson. Um, anyway, um, uh, you've got the uh, one shining moment. You've got that video and there was video last night of Nance in Houston, which is where, you know, obviously uh, he, went to college went you know went to college in houston he's there in houston watching that video from down the floor basically that was his kind of moment of saying goodbye to a tournament that he's called for a long time he's not going anywhere at cbs still going to call the masters he'll do that this weekend obviously staying involved in the nfl there as well just saying goodbye to his college basketball coverage so jim nance got a chance to do that last night and that was really kind of a touching in to a uh to a great career there so uh that is good there on that will make that cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean hey y'all uh just a quick programming note jake from normally joins us on tuesday we were not able to connect with jake here today so apologize for saying that he would be on didn't quite weren't able to connect with him here today but we're going to have him on again very soon there as well so just want to give you a heads up on that no jake here today a little bit of a phone issue connecting with him, but look forward to having him back on next week. So thanks as always for listening to Dog Nation Daily. All right, so uh, golden shoe time to give out. We talked about the Atlanta Braves a little earlier, debuting their City Connect jerseys here very soon. Speaking of jerseys, also some great news from the Atlanta Braves here this week there as well, and that'll be the subject of our golden shoe. Not every dog fan's a Braves fan, but enough of you are. This is worth mentioning here. The Atlanta Braves announcing yesterday they are going to retire the number 25, made famous by Andrew Jones, who played 10 gold glove seasons for Atlanta, all-star, I think, you know, came very close winning an MVP one year uh, there as well, a guy that I think should get more baseball Hall of Fame consideration than he's gotten, but certainly getting the local love that he is now due, getting that number 25 retired, long stretch, very distinguished numbers retired by the Atlanta Braves, add Andrew Jones to the list, I think that's great news, we'll give the Braves a golden shoe for that. How about the lousy, stinking Gators begging for 2025 quarterbacks and everything else? Not a very distinguished time to be a Florida fan. But nonetheless, 207 days from right now, George will be back in Jacksonville, beating up on him again. That is our Gator Hater Countdown. We'll see you tomorrow at Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia.